You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Good. He's, he is faithful. He is faithful. No matter what we're going, on, going through in life, God is always faithful. And what a blessing that that is. And, you know, as I see God's faithfulness to me, it, wants me to be, it makes me want to be more faithful to Him. God's goodness to me causes me to want to be better to Him. Not just, not out of obligation, but just out of gratitude. You know, why, why do we serve the Lord? Do I serve the Lord because I've, He's got my arm behind my back and uh, trying to get me to do something? No. Uh, it's just a blessing to be able to serve such a wonderful Savior. And what a blessing there. All right, keep your Bibles out. We are going to uh, be in Colossians 1. Uh, we're probably not going to jump around a whole lot, uh, but we will be staying in this passage here. Colossians chapter 1. Let's look again at verse number 9. The Bible says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness." Now, look again at verse number 10. It's where our text is going to come out of. He says here, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord. Walking worthy. Wow, that screams against the wokeness of our society today, doesn't it? It tells us that everybody's worthy all the time. And you don't have to do anything to be worthy. Just existing makes us worthy. Just breathing. Now, we are made in the image of God, and so I'm not saying that there's not value in people, but what we see here is Paul, as he's talking to these believers in Colossae, he is saying that I have seen some things in you, and because of what I have seen, go back to verse number 2 of Colossians 1, he said, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace uh, be grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying for you always uh, since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ. So in verse number, uh, in, in our, our text here, when it said since, in verse 9, since the day we heard of it, what would they hear about? They heard about these people's faith and because of their faith and because of what they have, the love that they had had and that that faith was being, uh, it would be in, uh, exhibited, uh, it caused them to want to pray for them that they would continue in that faith and that they would continue to grow. And he said that they would walk worthy, uh, uh, worthy uh, unto the Lord. And so uh, that tells me that the walk can be a worthy walk. It also tells me that it can be an unworthy walk. Boy, that doesn't fit into our culture, does it? You see, our culture says you don't have to do anything 
You're just worthy. You're exceptional. You're entitled to. And fill in the blank. Whatever that entitlement is. You're entitled to anything you want. You don't have to do anything to earn it, merit it, or deserve it. But here, Paul is writing to these believers, and he was telling them that there was a walk that they were to walk if they were going to be worthy. There was something that they needed to do. There was a life that was expected that they would live. You know, floating in life doesn't make us worthy. Amen? Just, just existing doesn't make us worthy. So, in the society that we live, we, we see participation trophies for everybody. And what has that done? That has demeaned the ones that have earned something. Everybody gets something. So, unfortunately, this, this philosophy is not only a worldly philosophy, it's also a philosophy that has trickled in to Christianity. Now, of course, we, see, we know that that will be the case because the church is in the world. We are bringing people into the church. And as people come into the church, they're coming with all different backgrounds, all kinds of different uh, uh, philosophical uh, understandings and belief systems. Some come from a, a system of faith. Some come from a system of, uh, that is anti-faith. And, and so uh, as people are coming in, there are different levels but at the same time, when we look at the Christian life, unfortunately, more and more Christians, especially in the last two years, this has become prevailing. That it's good enough just to exist. Now, granted, you and I don't have to do anything to merit our salvation. We don't have to do anything to merit the love of God. God loves us not because of what we do. God loves us because of who he is. God, the Bible tells us uh, that God is love. 1 John 4, 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And so God is love, so we are love because of who God is, not because of what I am doing to earn or to merit uh, that love. Uh, most popular verse in the whole Bible, uh, the whole world, people know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so we don't have to do anything to earn or merit the love of God but if I'm going to walk worthily, there's something I need to do. You know, in the Bible, we find in the New Testament, there's five different crowns that we will be able to earn, earn while we're down here. Crowns. Now, these crowns are what we earn, so one day when we see the Savior, we'll be able to have something to give to Him. 
but only the crowned will crown. Only the ones who have earned a crown will have a crown to give. And these crowns are, are crowns that we can earn. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, we read of the incorruptible crown. And, uh, and this is the, the crown that goes to the believer that's faithfully run the race. And you know what? Uh, I want to get that crown. I want to be faithful, and I want to be faithful to my Savior because he's been faithful to me. And, and one day, if I, and none of us are going to live a perfect life, but if we, if we are uh, faithful to him, we will earn a crown. The Bible says that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ that we may receive in our bodies the things that we have done, whether it be good or bad. What's it telling us? It's telling us that we are going to either, uh, uh, that we will, we will either receive a reward or a loss of reward according to that he hath done, the Bible says. So the, the, the crowns are something that we earn. So the uncorruptible crown is the first crown, the crown of rejoicing. That's the soul winner's crown. That's the crown for those that are, that are telling other people about the Lord. And the Lord says, if you're faithfully telling others about me, he said, there will be a crown for you. You will earn uh, the, the crown of rejoicing. Uh, the crown of life is the martyr's crown. The ones who have suffered, not all that have suffered to death, but uh, also those who have, who have endured persecution. Uh, that's not a crown that I want. You know, Brother Howes used to say, he said, I wanted to be, uh, I want to be recorded in, the, in the, the, uh, uh, the Guinness Book of World Records, not in Fox's Book of Martyrs. Uh, and, uh, but there is a crown for those who have suffered and persecution. Uh, that's the crown of life, the martyr's crown. Uh, we read of uh, the crown of righteousness in 2 Timothy 4. And, uh, and this crown of righteousness, uh, those, that's a crown for those who are looking for the Lord's return. You know, if we're looking for the Lord's return, we are living in anticipation that he's coming back any moment. And it will impact how we live and what we do. Sort of like when you were a child, uh, you were messing around and not getting the chores done. But when it came time to where you knew mom was coming home or dad was coming home, uh, all of a sudden you were, you were busy about doing what you were supposed to do because you knew that they were coming home and you had to get stuff done. Uh, and that was that anticipation of their return. It impacted the life. And for those that are looking for the glory, glorious appearing of our Savior, there's a crown that the Lord has prepared for us, the crown of righteousness, and then the crown of glory. Uh, the crown of glory, 1 Peter 5, it talks about for the elders, the pastors. This is uh, the faithful servant uh, of the Lord, the spiritual leaders or elders. That's the crown that they can uh, receive. Uh, and, and so there are some crowns that, that are offered, but all of them have to be earned. They all have to be earned. The Christian life is everything isn't free. You know, there, there is nothing that's free. Everything has a price tag. Everything. You say, oh, pastor, my salvation didn't cost anything. Your salvation cost the Son of God's life. It was free to us, but it wasn't free. 
there was a high cost to what we have. And, and so uh, America is a great nation. And I am so thankful that God has placed me here. I believe it's the greatest nation on God's green earth. And with that, what's made it great? The things that have made it great is, is it, was, it, was, uh, uh, it was founded on the biblical principles. Uh, and, and it was founded upon these principles and it, it impacted uh, moral, spiritual, civil, uh, and economic. Uh, capitalism is biblical. The, the ideology of capitalism, it comes from biblical teachings. Work hard. Grow, better yourself, mature, and prosper. Why prosper? So you can be generous. And then enjoy the, enjoy the, uh, the benefits uh, and the fruit of your labor. Communism and socialism... They are just the opposite. They're not biblical ideas. They're live on your parents' couch or in their basement like that man did until he was 40 years old and then sued them when they evicted him. You know, it's, it's amazing the world we live in, the amount of expectation like we are owed by everybody else. That's not biblical. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, the Bible says, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Amen. That's biblical, but that's not what you hear in society. There's this idea that everybody deserves whatever they need. But you don't find that in the Bible. Now, you find people that God says, he that hath pity on the poor lendeth unto the Lord. What is it? That is a generosity out of a heart of gratitude for the bounty that God gives us that we want to help somebody else. But it's not owed. It's not owed. And, you know, biblical principles, they work. You know, our kids, when they were small, if they didn't do their chores, they didn't eat. There wasn't even a plate at their spot. You say, Pastor, you're going to starve your child. No, they understood they weren't going to eat. So they went, did their chores. So they come back to the table and eat. You know what? They all have jobs and they know how to work. And why? Biblical principles, they work. It's so important. This, this idea of free. I'm going somewhere here. I'm just laying some groundwork. But this idea of free is completely wrong. And it's destroying our country. It's destroying the family unit. It's destroying the success of the next generation. And as that same mentality and idea comes into Christianity and the church, 
what we will find is just like communism doesn't work in a country or socialism doesn't work in a country, it will not work in a community and it will not work in the church. Because if we all come in like this, pretty soon there's nobody to give. There's nobody to serve. There's nobody to labor. There's nobody to do the work of the Lord because everybody wants to be on the take. Right? Everybody's quiet this morning. Why are we so quiet? I'm hitting a hot button. I'm hitting a hot topic in the world that we live We are content with people not working. We are content with whatever will be handed out. God didn't put us down here to exist. God put us down here, and he wants us to live. He wants us to grow. He wants us to be blessed. You look at the people in the Bible that God used. Look at Abraham. God blessed Abraham And he was rich. Now, I'm not saying that God is going to make us all rich. I wouldn't mind it. But God blessed labor. God blessed the work. God blessed the faithfulness. And then he used it for his kingdom. Now, with that, the... The free college, the free health care, the free lunch. We, we have to realize everything has a price tag. Everything has a price tag, a cost, even salvation. So the woke idea that our, our, uh, our world states and even believers are buying into that everybody deserves a great paying job. Really? I remember starting work. My first job was at McDonald's. Now, that was my first job as a 16-year-old. Uh, I had worked many jobs prior to that, uh, but uh, paying taxes and uh, in that uh, realm, three thirty-five an hour. Man, I made a killing. It was great. But now they can't get somebody to work for 20 bucks an hour. What's happened? Well, I deserve more. Who says? It's this mentality that is broken. And the woke idea is that everybody uh, just deserves a great paying job. They deserve housing. They deserve their utilities to be paid. They deserve a free cell phone. Now, how many of you would like to have a free cell phone? I would. (laughs) <laughs> Brother Andy's like, no, I don't want a phone at all. Uh, and I wish I didn't have to pay for mine, uh, but the reason I pay so much for mine is because I'm also paying for a bunch of other people's. Man, you guys are quiet. Are you, you fearful on this one? Free cell phones, free health care. Free health care? 
Now, those of you that are seniors and Social Security and Medicare, you've, you've earned yours. You've worked, you've labored, you've invested. But just breathing does not mean that you deserve free health care. Paid time off? Paid vacations? We live in such a world that I'm owed so much. And is, is, that, is, that a, is that a good focus? Because we take that same mentality and we open up our Bible and we find that I deserve the love of God. We don't. I deserve the grace of God. Do I? No, it's unmerited grace. It literally means the unmerited favor. So the grace of God is God's looking at me and giving me favor even though I don't deserve it. It's unmerited. There's nothing I could do to deserve the love of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the blessings of God. But when we, get this, when we get this mentality that I'm owed everything and that I don't have to do anything, we, we, we get into this welfare mentality of I deserve. Now, I, I understand there are situations, there are times where people find themselves under hard luck and there's a system that is there, but it is not a system to live and stay in that scenario. And there are health care issues that come up, and I'm not talking about that at all. But I am talking about that we as a society have gotten to a place where we feel like we don't have to do anything but expect that we should receive everything. Now, all of that was just laying a little bit of groundwork. So with that, the Bible tells us, well, um, before I get to that, uh, you value what you work for and you work for what you value. You value what you work for. Uh, I remember when I went to buy my first car, uh, my friends, I had a friend, his parents bought him a brand new Z28 Camaro when he turned 16. I hated him. <laughs> his dad was a pilot, made big money, uh, owned his own helicopter. I mean, there's was, there was a lot of money in that family. And uh, this, this kid, uh, he was given a brand new Z28 Camaro uh, when he turned 16. And uh, so I went to get my first car, and it was a Fiat. It was a 1978 Fiat. I paid $350 for it, and I broke down on the way home. <laughs> uh, literally, I worked on that car more hours than I drove it. It was terrible. Uh, my parents, they're like, no, nope, whatever you can afford, that's what you're getting. You know what? It taught me to have value. It taught me to value what I had because I had invested in it. I had some skin in the game. 
And that skin in the game taught me uh, how, to, how to value it. Uh, so this, this ideology, this woke ideology, it doesn't work in a country, a community. It doesn't work in a church. Uh, God's economy has a different set of values that we need to look at. So look back with me at Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 10. The Bible says that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So so this morning, I want to speak to you on the subject, a walk worth taking, a walk worth taking. And let's pray. Father, I do pray that you bless now in these next few moments and help us, Lord, to see that your ways, uh, they, they are worthwhile. And I pray that you'd help us, uh, Lord, just to follow the principles that you have given to us, this admonition that's in Scripture. So help us now, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. So here, Paul is writing to these believers. They had faith, but he was wanting them to expand their faith, to grow in their faith, and he wanted them to live in such a way that they would walk worthy unto the Lord. Walk worthy. So there was a path that they they needed to be on. There were some things uh, that, that they needed to do. You know, not all good walks, not all walks are a good walk. Have you ever taken a walk or a hike and it wasn't a good hike? Mrs. Brown, raise your hand. All right. On our honeymoon, we were broke. We got married right out of high school. And so uh, we, we graduated from high school in June, got married in August, celebrated our first uh, anniversary in Bible college. And so we were just kids. And uh, so being broke kids, uh, we, we went to the ocean for two days, and then we, uh, I planned the rest of the week out. We were going to go hiking one day. We were going to go fishing another day, uh, and I don't remember what else we did. Uh, but uh, anyway, so we went up to Mount Rainier, and we were going to take this hike, and I pulled off the side of the, uh, the highway there uh, up in the uh, National Forest, and they've got all these different spots where these hikes would start. And it said, uh, hike, it was like two point two miles. And it was the hike from Hades. And I don't know if it was a hike that that was 2.2 miles, or if there was another split in that trail somewhere where we needed to finish that hike and go back, or whether it was uh, a one was missing in front of that two, and it was a 12-mile hike. Uh, but we walked, and 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 we finally got up to this place that uh, was a, another waiting area uh, where people would park. And, and I'm like, there is no way we're going to take this trail back. And so I left my new bride right up there on the top of uh, this area. And I said, okay, I'm going to run down. I'm just going to follow the road this time. Well, if you've ever spent any time in the mountains, uh, switchbacks and trails and canyons and, and everything. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to get back down to the car. It's going to be a lot faster running the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the road as opposed to the trail. And so I take off running and, and I'm running and I'm running and I'm probably two miles in, three miles in, and then you, you hit these switchbacks and you see the uh, road below you, so then you, you jump off the road and I'm running down the sides of these mountains, hitting this next trail, and, and then cutting down through the next one, trying to catch these, these roads. And after about two hours, 
I come across one of these and I step on a black hornet's nest. Now, if you don't know what a black hornet is, you are blessed. And I stepped on that black hornet's nest and I mean I had a swarm, huge swarm, chasing me. Now I'm exhausted already. I've given everything I had. I'm running. And now I've got these things. They're behind me. And, and so I'm running. I'm trying to get away from these black hornets. And I'm getting stung on the back of the neck. Uh, they're hitting my back. I'm, I mean, some of them are just bouncing off of me. There are so many of them around me. I pulled my shirt off and I'm swinging it while I'm trying to run. And uh, it was a comedy show, I'm sure. Finally, I saw the car, got down. People were pulling over just to stop and watch. No joke. <laughs> They're like, look at this guy running from these bees. And they'd stop and watch. Uh, they didn't have cell phones or any of that. So somebody would have been out there taking a uh, world's funniest video uh, if they could have. But uh, anyway, I remember, you know what? That was not a great walk. That was not a walk worth taking. You know, the Christian life, though, is a, life, is a walk worth taking. It's a walk that we can be on, and there's expectations with this walk. There are some things that God wants us to do, and if we are going to walk worthy, then he wants us to live a certain way, and he wants us to do some things for him, and that is a worthy walk. But let me tell you, you get to the end of this worthy walk, you know what? There's all kinds of blessings there. I had the blessing, the opportunity to go to a, a funeral yesterday, and uh, this uh, pastor lost his wife. They were, they were married 53 years. You know, as I, we were at that funeral, you know, you could, you could just see the grace of God. There was sorrow and tears, yet there was joy. You know why? Because a life had been lived that had been pleasing the Lord. It was a worthwhile walk. It was a walk we're taking. And so here when we look at uh, this walk, uh, not all walks are, are joyful uh, as we had ours. They're not all joyful. They're not all fulfilling. Uh, they don't always bring pleasure. Uh, but the walk of the Lord, uh, it was, it's a walk that always brings uh, uh, joy uh, at the end. But what do we find about this, this worthy walk? The, walk the, the word worthy means, uh, it's the Greek word axios, and it it means suitably. Uh, he says we should walk worth, worthy, worthily of the Lord. And uh, it is uh, that we walk worthy. It's walking suitably uh, unto what his expectations were, were. So what does that walk look like? First of all, uh, that walk, uh, it says here that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful. I want to, the first point is, a worthy walk includes your being. God, being worthy isn't just existing. A worthy walk is going to include your being. God wants you. He wants you. The worthy walk is going to be a walk where you are giving God who you are. 
You're, you are submitting yourselves. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. They may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What do we find? We find that, that God wants us as a person. God doesn't want just our, our, our labor. He doesn't want just our resources. God doesn't want just our talents. God wants us as a person, uh, our being. He said walking worthy, uh, our being. Now, what is that being now going to include? Being fruitful. Fruitfulness is just the normal outflow of the being who is submitted to the Lord. You know, you don't have to really coax an orange tree to bear oranges. It's just natural. That's what's going to come. You plant almonds, and I just passed a almond tree that had been in full blossom. So now in the next uh, eight weeks, COVID is going to completely explode. Everybody who has allergies are now going to have COVID. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, no, the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the natural out, out, outpouring, what's going to naturally come from the almond tree's existence is almonds. The being who is walking, the individual who is walking worthy, their being is going to result in fruitfulness. We will, we will bear fruit uh, and pr- to produce. Uh, the word is uh, carpophorio, and it's to produce, uh, to bear fruit. Uh, and this being is who we are. First uh, Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Furthermore, we, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us, how ye ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. So here there is this walk. There is a walking worthy, and that walking and walking worthy is going to be a life that is being fruitful. You know, the Lord wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to be faithful, but being faithful will also result in being fruitful. Because that's who he wants us to be. He wants us to be fruitful. There's an expectation. If I'm going to walk worthy, then I am going to be uh, fruitful. Uh, and, and that uh, uh, being fruitful, John 15, 1 and 2, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. What is it? You see that the dead branches get cut off and discarded. You see that the fruitful branches are purged, so they bring forth more fruit. Uh, It's that pruning process. And so here, uh, this a walk worth taking, uh, being fruitful is a walk worth taking. Uh, Increasing is a walk worth taking. It includes increasing. He said that you might walk, you might walk worthy of the Lord uh, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. That's that learning. 
It's that growing. I was just talking to a pastor in Nevada. Uh, I was over uh, this last Monday preaching a revival there. And, and as I was uh, over there, I was talking to this pastor, and he was in education for a lot of years. And he said, I'm going through a series right now on teaching our people how to study. I thought, man, that's a great, that's a great truth. He said, we don't know how to learn. We read our Bible, but we're not really studying it. We're just reading it. You know, sort of like those literature books when you were in high school. Were there, were there any books that maybe you, you read and it was, okay, my eyes touched every word on that page. But I have, I, I have absolutely no idea what I just read. When I was in college, uh, my first semester, 2,500 pages of outside reading. Up to that point, I had read one book, The Call of the Wild. <laughs> that was it. And, oh, maybe it was two. I think uh, Tom Sawyer. I think I did The Adventures of uh, Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn, whatever that was. Uh, but uh, uh, those were the only books. I was not a reader. And I remember sitting down, trying to read these books. My freshman year, half semesters halfway through, and Dr. Curtis Hudson wrote a new book entitled Salvation Crystal Clear. And it was like a 350-page book, huge book. Brother Hiles made it mandatory for every student. It was a way to buy all those books for one of his friends and to require us to read them. And so I remember getting off work, 3 o'clock in the morning, standing in the kitchen of our apartment reading and waking up when the book would hit the ground. I have no idea. I have the book in my office. I have never picked it back up because of the struggle it cost me when I was in college. There's probably some great information in there, but I don't even want to look at it because I hated it so much when I was in college. Uh, but, you know, there are things that we read, but we don't really grasp. You know, God wants us not just to say, I read my Bible he wants us to learn. He wants us to increase in the knowledge, uh, in the knowledge of God. Uh, that learning, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, we use it as the Great Commission, but we leave off that last part so often. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. What do we find? We find that that teaching side, it is now that I have learned and I have spoke of the word of God, I've told other people about salvation. Uh, we see somebody get saved. Uh, we encourage them. They get baptized. Now we've got the big job of teaching them. But if all I'm doing is giving past information, the messages are dead. You know, you need to bring new things in. I was talking to a pastor friend a couple weeks ago, and he was telling me about uh, uh, a letter that he had, had read, and it was from uh, George Whit Whitfield. And George Whitfield was a uh, preacher. He, he was called the Golden Voice. He would preach uh, outside to thousands of people. 
and they could hear him. I'm so thankful we have microphones. But here he would preach, and uh, he had uh, listened to one of his preacher friends, and, uh, and he had listened to him preach, and then uh, went back, and, and as he was, uh, he came back several years later and came back and listened to him again. Uh, the, uh, he listened to the preacher, and then he wrote him a letter when he got home. He said, read, my brother, read. I have listened to your, I listened to a sermon three years ago, and it's obvious that you do not read. You have the same illustrations, you have the same information, nothing is new, read. You know, if all we do is hang on to what we knew, and we're not adding anything new in our life, it's going to get old. And here, this worthy walk is a fruitful walk. This worthy walk, uh, it includes our being, but it inclu- includes our increasing. We, are, we need to be increasing in, in the knowledge of God. Uh, and I'm, for time's sake, I'm going to uh, uh, just uh, pass through some of this. But this increasing, it's talking about the depths uh, of who God is. And you and I, uh, there is so much to learn about God. He is infinite. We don't know all that's to be known. You read your Bible, and then you read it again, and you read it again, and you keep seeing new things. It just jumps out at you. Why? It's alive. And you have a, you have a God who is infinite. And we need, to, we need to increase in our knowledge. Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Ephesians 3, 8. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, and is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And he was saying, listen, I'm telling you something, and I'm, I, I am preaching it, uh, but there is so much more that I don't even know yet. And that's what Paul was saying, and that's what we can all say ourselves. Uh, no, no matter how long we have been saved, no, how, no matter how much Bible knowledge we have, uh, we need to be increasing. That's a part of that worthy walk, a walk worth taking. Uh, a, worth, a worthy walk, a walk worth taking is going to affect our being. It will impact our increasing, and then it will also help our growing Colossians 1.11, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. That word strengthened is to be enabled with all might. And it's according to his power. And the walk that is a worthy walk, it's a walk of growth. Our, our theme this year as we are looking into it in Colossians 2.7, as we look at uh, our, 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 uh, uh, our theme, uh, it, it, is, it is just that we are uh, rooted and built, and, and there is an expectation as I go deeper, as I learn, as I am founded in my faith, it is going to impact what is done above ground as well. Here, this, this walk, it's a walk worth taking. It's a life of fruitfulness. It's a life of learning. It's a life of 
growing. It's a life of growing. You know, the Christian life is the greatest life in all the world. I'm so thankful of the blessings we get to enjoy just following the recipe. Have, ladies, have you, ever, have you ever been given a recipe or heard about somebody making something and it's like, oh, that sounds good. And you, you get all the, the, the ingredients together and you read how you're supposed to make it and you make it and it turned out. It was like, yes, it worked. You know, when God gives us a recipe, it works. It works. And it works for anybody. It doesn't have to be just someone that has great knowledge or great oratory skills or uh, great uh, uh, abilities and talents. Uh, I'd been left out of all of that. But just following the principles that he gives to us, it works. You know, the Christian life, Paul looked at these believers and he, he said that he wanted them to be able to walk worthily. He said, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. You know, we want our kids to walk in such a way that it brings joy, happiness, pleasure. They do right, and it just brings joy. You know, the Lord, he wants us to walk worthy too. He wants us to live in such a way that it brings pleasure to him. You know, it's not about pleasing everybody else. It's not about the pastor. It's not about the staff. It's not about uh, some other person. We're walking worthy because we want to bring him pleasure. Out of all he has done for me, shouldn't I live for him? A, a walk worth taking. Where are you at? Have you started the walk? Are you saved this morning? Do you know the Lord is your Savior? Maybe that next step in that walk is following the Lord in believer's baptism. Maybe that next step is being a part of the church and joining the church. Maybe that next step is uh, you've not been fruitful and you, maybe you don't know how. Man, every Saturday we go out. Tell people about the Lord. And it doesn't have to be just on a Saturday. But we need to be fruitful. We need to be increasing in the knowledge of God. And then, as I'm increasing in that knowledge of God, what we'll find is that we are growing. We are being strengthened. And that strengthening isn't in ourself. It's in Him. It's in His power. And when we grow, and that strength is there, now we have more that we can be able to do for the kingdom of God. And Paul was writing to this group of believers, much like a church like ours, and just saying, listen, there's a, a walk worth taking. If you haven't taken the walk, if you're not in progress, then come on in, the water's fine. 
It is a walk worth taking. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. You know the needs of each person. I pray that you'd help us today. Uh, Just lead us and guide us, direct us, please. Uh, Help us as we are living in this day, uh, the wokeness. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see that there are expectations that you have of us and we should have of ourselves. So we could be pleasing to you. And so I pray that you'd help us now. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You're here this morning. Do you know the Lord is your Savior? Let me ask you a question. Do you, if you died right now, do you know for sure that heaven would be your home? You say, Pastor, that's me. I do know. I know if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. No concerns. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. All right, you can put your hand down. You're here this morning. You say, Pastor, I don't know. I don't know if I died, I'd go to heaven. I'm concerned about that. Pastor, pray for me. Nobody's looking around. I won't come back to you. I won't embarrass you, but I'd like to pray for you. Pastor, pray for me. I don't know if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. Pray for me. Just slip your hand up. Let me pray for you. Just go ahead and slip it up. Not sure that if you died right now, you'd go to heaven. You're concerned about it. All right, how about it, child of God? Where are we at on this walk? Have we started this walk? Are we following the Lord? say, Pastor, the Lord put his finger on some area of my life this morning, and I'm going to do business with God today. Pastor, the Lord spoke to my heart. Just slip your hand up. Just slip your hand up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, you you see the hands. You know the needs. And Lord, just grow us uh, this morning. Help us, Lord, to, to deal with the areas that you put your finger on in our lives and help us to be faithful to you. Help us to, to be in this walk that's worthy. And I pray that you'd help us for Christ's sake. Let's stand together. The instruments play. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. The altar's open. If you'd like to uh, come to an old-fashioned altar, you're welcome to come. Maybe you did not raise your hand and you're unsure of your eternal destiny. We have men down front. Let me encourage you to come. Maybe you haven't followed the Lord in believers' baptism or church membership, whatever the Lord's putting his finger on. You respond. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.